Broadcast. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com and coming to you tonight, as every night, from the sunny climes of western Japan. So once again, thank you for joining me for tonight's broadcast. And tonight we're going to be talking to James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. And uh, he, he will be joining us to talk about Food World Order, which, of course, we're talking about every Thursday night here on the broadcast. So thank you once again for joining us. And right up off the top, Tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about some headlines and going through the news tonight, but I, right off the bat tonight, I want to put the kibosh on a story that's making the rounds right now and is being spread quite widely in the alternative media, and it's, uh, it's a bit worrying that this has spread so far so quickly, but if you have seen any headlines about American or UK missiles hitting an Iranian village today or, um, or anything along those lines... This looks to me, and I'm willing to be corrected on this fact, but it looks to me like this is completely, actually, factually untrue. It's being reported as if this story just broke today. It's sourcing back mostly to a Daily Mail article, and if you actually go and search the article on the Daily Mail website, you'll see it's from not today, not this week, but from March 22nd, 2003. This is an eight-year-old story that, for whatever reason, has been picked up and is circulating quite widely at the moment, as if it just happened this week. Once again, I'm willing to be corrected on this, but I, I will put in the links in the uh, show notes for today so you can go and actually check the uh, the article for yourself. U.S. missiles did not hit an Iranian village today, did not hit it this week. It hit it eight years ago. And uh, so this is not the, the beginning of World War III for people out there who are we're getting concerned about this story, and I would be concerned about it, too, if it had happened this week. We are on the brink, on the precipice of just the most horrific and unspeakable worldwide war, and we have to be extremely careful about what information we're picking up and circulating at this time especially, because it is not just um, actual acts and events that can start a war. It can even be rumors like this that get spread that actually contribute towards the start of hostilities, and we do not want to be the trigger for what looks to be a ex- very explosive situation right now. So once again, U.S. missiles hit Iranian village is an eight-year-old story that is being circulated quite widely right now in the alternative media as if it just happened this week. And I'm here to say that as far as I can tell, this is an eight-year-old story. I've got uh, articles from truthout.org, and I've got other... SFGate and other sources that confirm this happened in March of 2003. So please don't hyperventilate about this story. And if you see people trying to spread this story, please, please let them know this is an eight-year-old story. This is not breaking news. Because once again, we are here in the alternative media, and we often make the point, in fact, almost every single day we make the point that the corporate-controlled media is feeding you lies and misinformation and trying to pollute your mind with things that are not facts, but that does not mean that the alternative media does not make mistakes as well. And unfortunately, it's things like this that can completely destroy reputations in the minds of a lot of people who don't really understand what's going on and just uh, see stories like this prop up and see that they're wrong and then completely dismiss everything else that the alternative media is saying. So it's extremely important that we be as careful as possible. And I'm not saying that uh, that I or anyone else will be able to be completely 100% percent correct all the time we are humans we all make mistakes but when we see mistakes like this we have to be careful to to be very clear about the fact that there are mistakes and to not then puppet that information and not to to parrot it and not to 
continue to spread the information when we know it not to be true. So again, if you know that this story is in fact true, that it did happen this week, if you have some source on that, please come in and uh, call in tonight's uh, episode and we will get you on the air and we can talk about that. But as far as I know, this is an eight-year-old story, so Iranian village did not get attacked by U.S. missiles today. Again, if you want to get in on tonight's broadcast, 1-800-313-9443. We'll be back with more news and headlines after this, and James Evan Pilato will be coming up in the latter half of the program. Welcome back, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, welcoming you back to Corbett Report Radio. And once again, thank you for joining me tonight as we blast through the headlines and the news behind the news. And just once again, let me repeat what I was saying there before the break. There's been a lot of sites, uh, alternative media websites, picking up the story, U.S. missiles hit Iranian village. I'm just here to say that that, as far as I can tell, sources to an eight-year-old story. It did not happen this week. It is not happening right now. And we know that the uh, the American forces, British forces, NATO forces in general are lined up and the uh, the missiles are pointing at Iran. We know that this is an extremely tense situation. So once again, I don't want to uh, to encourage or foster that in any way. We are truly on, a, on the precipice of all-out global war in so many ways. And I'm working on a video that I hope to get up. Well, I guess during the night for you guys in North America, sometime today for me here in Japan, and we're going to uh, hopefully uh, talk uh, and expose a little bit about the preparations for war that are going on in every imaginable battlefield in every corner of the globe right now. It is an extremely worrying situation. Once again, not only Iran, not only Syria, not only Pakistan, but really in every corner of the globe that you can think of, there's militarization and pieces being put into place all over, and of course, with North Korea now being destabilized by the Kim Jong Il death announcement. At any rate, I don't think he died this uh, this month, but I, I'm sure he died a year ago. But still, with the announcement of his death, it's of course a, a, we're on a knife edge here in in Japan and in East Asia generally. And again, as I say, every corner of the globe being affl- affected by these wars and rumors of wars right now. So we do not need false information being spe- spread right now. And as far as I can see, this Iranian missile strike is a false story at the moment. So if you see it, once again, please uh, please try to source it for yourself. And that's really the point of the Corbett Report and everything that I'm trying to do is not to get you to believe what I say or not just to take what I say on faith. Please check into the sources, because even though I am genuinely trying my best to inform you to the best of my abilities, I am human, I will make mistakes. So please go and source everything for yourself, and do not believe a story until you see the source for yourself, and come to your own decision, because again, even source material can be uh, can be mistaken, can be fallacious, can be disinformation, can be misinformation, etc., so once again, that's my word of warning for tonight, and I will have links in the show notes at CorbettReport.com slash radio after tonight's show, so you can go and check those stories for yourself and come to your own conclusions. But as I say, I think uh, we have to be extremely careful as we are on the brink of all-out war. And once again, if you do have information to otherwise that you can show that this did happen this week or there is something going on right now, 
Once again, you can get in on tonight's program, 1-800-313-9443. The phone lines are wide open, anything you want to talk about. So please uh, call in with your comments, questions, concerns, criticisms, or breaking news stories. And we will continue covering the headlines here and things that are going on in the world. But, of course, tonight is Thursday night, and that means Food World Order Night. So later on in tonight's broadcast, we're going to be bringing on James Evan Pilato of foodworldorder.com to go over the latest on food, health, and the environment. But as I say, we're going to blast through some news and headlines right now and things that I think are important at this at this extremely important time. Again, so many things going on that I can't possibly hope to cover it all. But something that I wanted to address specifically tonight is the latest round of smears that are taking place on Ron Paul, as, of course, we talked about last week, but now it's becoming even more apparent. Ron Paul is truly becoming a front-runner candidate and is uh, is really looking like he's going to storm Iowa. And from there, who knows? But um, we've seen all of the, the stops that they've been pulling out to try to get derailed this Paul freight train that's blasting down the tracks, picking up steam as people learn about liberty and freedom. And uh, we've seen all sorts of things, including even uh, the Iowa, was it the governor who came out and said if if uh, Ron Paul wins the Iowa straw poll or if, if, they win the, if he went to the primary, it means Iowa is no longer worth looking at. You should look at who came in second. All of these extraordinary things that if it happened to any other candidate, you would just be rolling your eyes thinking, what's going on? But, of course, it's Ron Paul, so it's okay. And unfortunately, we see the the old the oldest smear against Ron Paul picking up steam once again, like clockwork. Here it is: the racist newsletters that came out under Ron Paul's name in the 1990s. And uh, and uh, by all means, once again, I encourage you to go back to the sources. They're they're widely available online. A lot of commentary available on it online, and uh, you can go and read. And yes, there was a Ron Paul newsletter. Uh, in fact, there were numerous different newsletters that were put out under the Ron Paul name in the 1990s that did have some pretty despicable racist comments that I wouldn't attempt to defend in any event because they are quite despicable. But uh, as Ron Paul has talked about repeatedly now for decades, for at least two decades. Uh, these were uh, newsletters that were not written by him. They they went out under his name, but he was a practicing doctor at the time. He did not supervise the newsletters on a day-to-day basis, and he didn't even read everything that was written in them. And, uh, and again, that might be the issue in, in and of itself, but it is not the case that Ron Paul is a secret racist. And and I think we can see that from so many different uh facets of Ron Paul's life, what he's spoken about, his career. Uh, it's it's almost mind-boggling that anyone could actually seriously believe that Ron Paul harbors these secret racist fantasies, but in fact, even if he did, which he, I do not think he does, he does not, as far as I can tell, in any way harbor any of these ideas, but even if he did, his entire campaign is based on the liberty of the individual, not treating people as groups, and not inflicting his own personal ideas on the public, not trying to legislate anything that you know he wants to do. It is simply to legislate the Constitution. So once again, I do not think that this, uh, this smear is going to work. Ultimately, a lot of people are seeing through it. But unfortunately, it's being picked up now by all of the usual suspects on the uh, on the predictable mainstream media spectrum, including Salon and the Atlantic Newswire and CNN has been attacking him recently on this. And uh, and if you want to really get into the, the issue of race itself and what Ron Paul thinks, there are a number of good videos online on YouTube right now about this um, where you can go and watch him talking about what he what he thinks about race and what are important matters regarding race, including, of course, the drug war, the phony drug war, which he wants to abolish 
wants to uh, decriminalize the uh, the use of these drugs, which these laws, of course, are targeting uh, disproportionately the black population in America. And he's made that point on many po- occasions. And he wants to stop throwing black people disproportionately into da- jail if, just for uh, failing to, to live up to these drug laws, which are proven not to work. And uh, and that's one aspect of it. Another thing, of course, Dr. Paul is known as Dr. No on, on uh, Capitol Hill because he votes against any any legislation that does not uh, specifically contain authorization in the Constitution. If the Constitution doesn't say the Congress can argue for, can, can actually pass a law based on something, he says no because it's not in the Constitution. The one exception that you can find in his voting record on this is the the idea that the the legislation that came along to make Martin Luther King Day a national holiday to celebrate Martin Luther King? Now, why would this horrible racist who who just can't stand uh, these all of these people of color? Why why would he make the exception, the one exception in his voting career, to make a special day to commemorate Martin Luther King, who he has said on many occasions is his actual hero? Again. Anyone who knows anything about Ron Paul and what he's talked about for the last 20 years knows that these views are not his own. But here along, along comes the lapdog corporate media to drudge up the same old story that they've been talking about for 20 years. And now there's a new uh, CNN video where he's talking to Gloria Berger, whose husband has his own interesting connections with lobbying firms for the military-industrial complex. But that being what it is, uh, Gloria Berger has a new interview with Ron Paul where she's supposedly grilling him on this uh, newsletter thing, and he supposedly storms off of the interview. Uh, but when you actually go and watch the interview, it seems pretty apparent that they're winding up the interview, and he's just getting ready to go, and she keeps pestering him with this question, so eventually he just finally goes. There's nothing storming off. There's no big confrontation. Uh, once again, the media is making a spectacle out of the spectacle of them asking him this question, when really there was no drama there to be had. So... Uh, we see this uh, this same smear attempt just happening again and again. We saw it last year with Rand Paul's Senate campaign. And uh, think what you will of Rand Paul. Personally, I think sometimes the apple does fall far from the tree, and I'm not a Rand Paul supporter based on his uh, pretty atrocious foreign policy ideas. Uh, he looks like a neocon uh, warmonger to me. Although, thankfully, he did vote against the NDAA, one of the few senators to do so. So, he does have some things right, but I think uh, some of his foreign policy ideas and some of the ridiculous things he said about the BP oil spill are pretty reprehensible. But think what you will about Rand Paul. I saw the way that they were trying to discredit him in the controlled corporate media in his Senate campaign as well with all of those ridiculous tricks about the uh, the Aqua Buddha and all of those stories or the, uh, the operatives who dressed up as Rand Paul supporters to attack other candidates just ridiculous things or trying to say that because he was against the Civil Rights Act, he was therefore racist, as if you have to be for the government having the ability to tell people what racism is or isn't in order for you to not be racist. Again, just ridiculous smears. They love to bring this out absolutely any opportunity because it's one of the smears that has worked so well for them in the past, just using that racist mantra to try to discredit anyone who speaks out against anything. And uh, thankfully, we've seen that overused so much during the, the Obama presidency. Anyone who speaks out against Obama is secretly racist, that people are becoming wise to it. And the great thing is, if you go and look at the comments on some of these articles about the Ron Paul racist newsletters, almost no one is buying it. You have on Yahoo News right now, you have 
comments with 1,500 up arrows saying, you know, things like, well, why don't you show the interview that you're writing about? Or uh, there's people who are saying things about how ridiculous this story is. So people are catching on to it, and and they're not going to fall for this ridiculous smear attempt. But I just thought we should uh, should bring it up, because obviously this is going to be a major angle as Ron Paul continues to gain steam and continues to to really take uh, take the primaries by storm. And he is on a trajectory that is the winning candidate's trajectory right now. So we'll see what comes. But unfortunately, it looks like they're going to bring out the same old smears. At any rate, well, let's take a short break. We'll be right back after these messages. Once again, if you want to get in, it's 1-800-313-9443. President Jimmy Carter. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. We are blasting through news and headlines tonight in preparation for James Evan Plato of FoodWorldOrder.com, who's going to be joining us shortly here. So thank you once again for tuning in tonight. And I just want to mention a story that I mentioned briefly last night. I, I'd like to mention it again. I, again, I know that there aren't a lot of people who are interested in this because it's just not an area of the globe that we tend to think very much about, myself included. I'm not trying to say that I'm above anyone here, but I'm saying right now Central Asia is an extremely important part on the geopolitical chessboard right now, and there's some big things happening there that uh, a lot of us just aren't following on a day-to-day basis, but we probably should be. And here's a story that I think is extremely, extremely important. It's called Kazakh Crackdown Deepens. It's on stratrisks.com. Talking about Kazakhstan and the uh, protests that have broken out in an oil town in near the Caspian Basin there called Janauzen. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. But again, a uh, very important story, and I'd like to go into the background of it, but it'll probably take too long here. Well, suffice it to say, I have a recent report on uh, CorbettReport.com called Spotlight Kazakhstan that goes into why Kazakhstan is an extremely important player in the global political game right now trying to turn more and more towards China as its main trading partner, turning away from Western influence. And uh, and lo and behold, exactly as I said in that video, now that they're trying to turn more and more away from uh, from the West and towards China, all of a sudden they start getting these huge protests in their strategic oil towns. Uh, I, again, I don't think that's coincidence. So extremely important story, um, but we don't really have time to get into too much of it right now. But we have Chris from Las Vegas on the line, and uh, so thank you very much for holding, Chris. Uh, what, what's on your mind tonight? Well, first and foremost, James, I want to compliment your professional journalism skills in disputing and taking extreme exception and casting the light of truth off these twistings of truth, their purported stories that are dredged up the past to try to present a today state of chaos and immediate emergency to deceive Americans from what's actually going on. And you're telling the truth about that definitely rates you high amongst the journalistic talents on the radio, the Internet, and RBN. I thank you and applaud you for that first and foremost. Well, thank you for that, but let me be clear. I'm not saying that I'm above any of this, and I'm not saying that this is a deliberate attempt to spread disinfo. I think some people have been suckered into this information. All I'm saying is all of us have to be vigilant, and we have to call it out when we see it. When we see a story that isn't true, we have to be there to say it isn't true. Well, in this day of hyper-technology, we can't even believe our eyes with the Photoshop skills of manipulations of video data 
that anything can be contrived and put on there and it looks like it happened and put on as propaganda to try and arouse the ire of the public. Uh, Unfortunately, fact, right, yeah. In response to your initial article about Iran, I had observed a email, or maybe it was on RBN's website, about who are what was really going on in our Iran. And when you look at them, they are a little bitty nation that is surrounded by it looked like fifty or more different bases of U.S. and perhaps NATO bases that have them circled like wagons around just a very few settlers, and I understand precisely why they would like to have a nuclear weapon to uh, defend themselves against an impending onslaught of attacks by uh, empire builders or others that seek to destroy them off the face of the earth, apparently, from what it looks from the surrounding of them. Right, and of course they try to use the canard that um, Ahmadinejad has said that he wants to wipe Israel off the map, but when you actually go and investigate the actual translation of what he said, that doesn't hold up to scrutiny. But I think you're right. I, I think we can tell a lot about the story just by looking at the map, and when you do look at the map and you see how completely surrounded Iran is right now and threatened on all sides by, by U.S. and NATO forces, and to, to the idea that they haven't so much as really lifted a finger to to really defend themselves at this point, it's quite amazing the restraint they've already shown, despite the fact that they are being threatened very, very overtly with uh, with all-out war right now. This seems to relate very closely to the left-wing radical extremist attempts to imaginatively discredit all of us by coloring us or describing us or disguising us in interpretive fashions as possibly anti-Semites or racist or terrorist tea partiers or anything they can come up with because they're in absolute utter fear of not being able to succeed in their evil scheme to enslave America. It's just, it's insidious and it's, it's almost, it would be funny if it wasn't so serious, the, the depths that these people will steep to to try and discredit anybody that doesn't go along with their plan. Unfortunately, right. And again, the anti-Semite uh, smear, just like the racist smear, has been trotted out on too many occasions, and, and a lot of people just aren't buying it anymore because it is just overused. So, Chris, great points as always. Thank you for calling in. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to have James Evan Pilato of Food World Order to go over food, health, and environment information, so stay tuned. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Okay, welcome back, friends. James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com. So welcome back to the program. You are, of course, tuned into Corbett Report Radio and I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight we've been going over some headlines, but now we're here for food, health, and environment information. Joined once again by James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com, and for tonight's purposes, FoodWorldOrder.com. So please go to FoodWorldOrder.com for all of the latest news and information on food, health, and environment issues. James, thank you for joining us once again. And once again, I, I always appreciate it, man. Well, we always appreciate it because you always have 
very interesting stories. And again, as we went over last week, this is just one of the most important issues we could be dealing with right now. So what stories have you got up for us tonight? The first thing I want to hit, and this was something I, you know, James, I don't recall if you and I discussed this or not, but I, you know, as the week goes by, I collect news that I put in my bookmark folders and things that I, I collect that I haven't maybe posted to Media Monarchy or any of the appropriate sites. But I had seen in the newspaper, so I, I made sure to bookmark the URL last week about this upcoming sort of food aid to North Korea in exchange for discussions about lessening their nuclear ambitions. So I saw that and I kind of thought that was important. And wouldn't you know, it's 48 hours after I'd seen that, Kim Jong-il is dead. So I grabbed from the Associated Press, and this is posted on foodworldorder.com, U.S. food aid for North Korea would bring nuclear talks a step closer. The United States was poised, was poised to announce a significant donation of food aid to North Korea this week before the nation announced the death of Supreme Leader Kim Jong-il. The donation, which will now be delayed, would be the first concrete accomplishment after months of behind-the-scenes diplomatic contacts between the two wartime enemies. An agreement by North Korea to suspend its controversial uranium enrichment program would have likely followed within days. A broad outline of the agreement made known to the Associated Press, dot, dot, dot. But I find that really, really interesting, and this article does go on, of course, to discuss the widespread poverty and and almost famine of this, you know, reclusive state. What's your take on this, James? Well, this is an extremely interesting story because it brings up the issue of food and food aid and what it's really about and the political machinations behind it which is something that I talked about on the podcast a couple of years ago in an an episode called Food as a Weapon, which has a lot of documentation about this subject, so I hope people will go and and look at that. But just looking at something much more recent, in March of 2011 on aljazeera.com, there was an article, Food for Thought in North Korea. The subhead is, Officials in Seoul Face a Choice, Whether or Not to Use Starvation as a Weapon to Bring Down the Regime to Its North basically talking about whether South Korea should start withholding food aid in order to basically starve North Korea into submission. So once again, food is a weapon on the uh, on the grand chessboard. It's been used that way for a long time. And uh, and unfortunately, Kim Jong-il was content to see his, his people starve to death rather than do anything to open up to the international community. But it just goes to show how these heartless, uh, heartless people at the top will use uh, starvation as a weapon to get what they want on the political chessboard. And we can, of course, even see it in, in, you know, dystopic, you know, predictive programming pieces like Soylent Green, which I, I find I reference a lot. It seems to kind of be one of those perfect, you know, dystopian things that, that really does describe what seems to be a, a part of the agenda. But do you want to get, let's, do you want to switch to good news? Let's do it. <laughs> at least, at least for a, a short while. Uh, posted up just a, a few short hours ago to grist.org. And again, I, I catch things from, you know, mainstream alternative media, all sorts of things. Of course, you know, linking doesn't equal endorsement because I see lots of things on grist that I know fall in line with just the, you know, foundation funded, funded climate control eugenics agenda. But we take good and bad information everywhere we can get it. But they have a post on the good food news of 2011, and they warn that the bad food news of 2011 post will be coming soon. But top of their list, 
urban farming is flourishing, and they cite and link to stories throughout the year coming out of Michigan, Tennessee, Chicago, San Diego, San Francisco, Oakland, Baltimore, more and more urban farming. And that, James, in a way, what we discussed so much last week, getting back to the land, maybe this almost in a way says, well, let's let's get the land back to us or, you know, one way or the other. If we can't get back to the land, we'll create it right here where we can in our compact, soylent, green-like cities. That's it. Occupy the vacant lots. Occupy whatever you can to uh, to do something to grow our own food, which is really the source of uh, all independence. If we don't have that, we don't have anything, really. So the list is ten, and I'll just blast through the, the remaining nine, and you can and pick through and pick up anything there that, that sounds interesting to you. Number two, young farmers make noise. Local food isn't just delicious and eco-friendly. It, of course, builds local economies. Food day making a comeback and realizing, number five, that we don't need industrial agriculture to feed the world. Number six, despite the influence of the ultra-consolidated meat industry, the ag-gag bills went nowhere this year in Florida, New York, Iowa, and Minnesota. Number seven, eaters are a little more aware of the people behind their food Number eight, food access got more attention about essentially so many people around the U.S. lacking the easy access to good, healthy food. Number nine, more information helps eaters make better choices. And number ten, as you just said there, James, the Occupy movement adds fuel to uh, the fire. Anything in there you want to pick through or mention? I think they're all important in their own ways, and I'm just glad that they're is a growing awareness of this subject, which I really think there is. So we, we've obviously seen this uh, this meme rising in the last few years about victory gardens or bush gardens or Obama gardens or whatever people are calling them right now. It doesn't matter. As long as they're doing it, I think that's the point. And once again, this is an active process, and it is a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but we can gradually start to to be more concerned about where our food is coming from and how we can build communities based around that rather than relying on these uh, giant uh, warehouses to ship these foods from foreign countries to to get to our doorstep, which is uh, just not a way that will ever promote independence from the system. And I think in this past year, when we look at some of the bigger, you know, outbreaks and recall stories, there was one that now I'm just bringing up off the top of my head. I'll I'll have to bring up the specifics of it. But in this past year, a story that when it initially broke, uh, an outbreak was blamed on organics. And then it, of course, turned out that, it, no, it just came from some factory food location. That, whether we're talking about that or talking about just this very day, uh, there's a, a story kind of going and growing about Walmart pulling uh, a baby formula, a baby powder that's that's caused, I believe, five infant deaths. That we always see these kind of outbreaks coming from the very sources of the problems that, again, James, you and I know kind of fall into that same, you know, problem, reaction, solution situation. Well, whether you're talking about terrorism, you can still kind of create the problem within the food system in order to generate the reaction so that you can offer your pre-made solution. Just, again, like last week we mentioned Dennis Kucinich talking about, you know, guarding ourselves against manufactured food crises, 
Exactly right. We've seen it happen before, and that is always one of their favorite trajectories. So we have to be aware that a lot of these problems that arise in these big corporate uh, manufacturing food processing industries are designed to go after the little man who is just trying to sell something at a farmer's market. It's not about uh, really reforming the uh, the food industry itself. So people have to be aware of that type of thing and really, really guard those liberties jealously because unfortunately we've seen them coming after those liberties in case after case, in raw milk and all of the other things that the government is trying to intervene itself and wedge itself in between people in the food supply. And uh, control of the food is control of the nation, so um, we have to be aware of that. So you you mentioned essentially the food industrial complex, and I have a post that comes from a site called SeekingAlpha.com, which is basically, I think, just an amateur you know sort of economic blog. But they had a post about food and beverage companies that hedge fund managers love. And they note that food and beverage companies tend to be a somewhat safe bet. Many people will continue to buy their favorite soda or snack food no matter how tight money gets. This fact tends to translate into a beta that's around a half, give or take, meaning the companies in this industry tend to be roughly half as volatile as the market. And again, more sort of market speak. But what they're essentially saying is, these are a good, safe bet. And they mention seven companies in particular that the, the hedge, hedge funders love to fund. And it's exactly what you'd expect. Coca-Cola, Kraft, Pepsi, Campbell's, Dean Foods, Sara Lee, and Constellation Brands. And I've discussed on my show before, and again, I, I work at a grocery store here in Portland, Oregon, and see even so many of the alternative brands that I know full well have been gobbled up by Kraft and Smuckers. So you'll be looking at these sort of, you know, what essentially are, yeah, I mean, hands down, they're they're better made and have better ingredients, but there are companies that have been gobbled up by the multinationals, and you're looking at these choices thinking you're still making a choice about getting something independent, but it's still going back to you know, these guys. Yeah, and that reminds me of the uh, Max Kaiser idea, because a lot of people might look cynically at that and say, well, there's, you know, they might be destroying us, but we can at least make some money on it and, you know, store for ourselves for the future or whatever, so that maybe we should fund, you know, these these companies or get get into the stocks. But but Max, Max Kaiser had the exact opposite idea. Uh, he he has this boycott Coke idea that he's been um, trying to to get going for years now, where basically he's saying it's a it's a company that if we really could affect a, a big boycott of them in a big way, we could not only bring them down, but we could make tons of money bringing them down by being the those types of you know vulture speculators who who do that type of thing, attack companies all the time in order to bring them down in order to profit off of the the carcass as it starts to rot. And uh, and so he's had that idea at Karma Bank for a long time. I had him on the program to talk about it um, a couple of years ago. And uh, I think it's, I mean, it, there are things that are wrong about that idea, but there are things that are right. I mean, as long as we're going to bring it down, well, why not, you know, make make some money off of it and, and show the companies that we, we do have the control because we do. All we have to do is stop drinking their, their toxic garbage and uh, we can truly not only affect change but actually enrich ourselves while doing it so I, I, I like that idea in a lot of ways and uh, and it's just the exact opposite of that type of let's just uh, let's just make money off of their profit mentality 
I, I had forgotten about that, but yeah, you're you're right. I, I do recall that. And and again, I, wasn't it the same thing essentially with the sort of attack on on silver? Yeah, right. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, he had the the idea to short silver and, and bring down J.P. Morgan. That didn't really work in the long run, but it, it certainly got a lot of people into silver, which isn't a bad thing because silver is a good long term investment, and they can knock it down five dollars here, ten dollars there, but it's going up in the long term. So, um, so again, I think these ideas are healthy, even if they don't ultimately work. And I think they will if enough people get a, get a mm-hmm. hold of them. But at least they get people into the game and really thinking about how we can effectively use our power to attack these corporate Borg entities that have taken over and infested our, our governments and our lives in so many ways. So as long as we're cracking open the soda here, there's a story actually today from Natural News Flame retardant chemical found in U.S. soft drinks, a substance patented as a flame retardant and banned as a food ingredient throughout Europe and in Japan, is present in 10% of all U.S. soft drinks in the U.S., and it is BVO, brominated vegetable oil. And even the Coca-Cola ingredients page listed as, quote, stabilizers to prevent the citrus flavoring oils from floating to the surface in beverages just as flame retardants, that's an end quote, just as flame retardants slow down the chemical reactions which can cause fires. This reminds me, you know, we've got rocket fuel in our drinking water, and uh, I'll be covering a story on my own show tomorrow about these deaths in Louisiana due to neti pots, which are, are nasal cleaning devices. Two people have died from a brain-eating amoeba. And, of course, they're blaming it on improper use of neti pots, but it shows what is in the water, and it's a disturbing story. Very disturbing, and that that doesn't even include the things that we know they are deliberately putting into the water in full public view, like fluoride, which which anyone who's studied into that issue knows is, is a complete toxic poison that's being put into the water supply. On purpose, and that's uh, that's a whole story in and in and of itself. But uh, on that note of strange ingredients, I was just uh, watching a clip from Letterman of all places uh, the other night on YouTube, and there was uh, that British cook Jamie Oliver. Is it? He was on as a guest, and he was talking about uh, an ingredient in vanilla ice cream that most people don't know about, which is uh, beaver anal gland. Is somehow an ingredient in vanilla ice cream. So. You know, you don't really know what you're eating when you don't make it yourself, do you? Good grief. Uh, <laughs> J- uh, Jamie Oliver, I do know of. I've never actually watched any of the show, but he has a reality show on TV, and I believe it may be called The Food Revolution. But the first season of the show took place in my home state of West Virginia in a town, I think, that had been you know, listed as one of the most you know, o- obese or unhealthy towns in the country. I will uh, refrain from making a West Virginia joke. <laughs> Thanks. But, uh, <laughs> it so, makes itself. No, I'm joking. But but uh, no, I I'm proud to say I don't actually know much about Jamie Oliver either. I don't really follow much corporate media at all. But uh, but I do know of him and the work that he's been doing. Which uh, I, I, from what little I know, at least seems somewhat admirable. Trying to get healthier school lunches and things. It's not something I would disagree with on its face. But uh, but I don't really know the details. And to maybe finish off all our all our soda talk, <laughs> and to stay on top of Coca Cola, which which again actually to go back to the article about the flame retardant, and they mention 
you know, Mountain Dew and, and some of the other things. But they also mentioned Fanta Orange, which is, as we know, owned by Coca-Cola. But that opens up the whole, you know, box about the Coca-Cola Corporation and the Nazis. And I give a link back in that article to an article from Edwin Black discussing, you know, the connection between, you know, IBM and the Holocaust and Coca-Cola and, and, and Bayer and all the, all the other corporations. But finally, a, a post again on foodworldorder.com from the Ethocracy blog, how Coca-Cola shaped the modern-day Santa. Where did the iconic Santa Claus imagery we have all come to know, red suit, pleasantly plump, flowing white beard, rosy cheeks, come from? Turns out Coca-Cola's advertising program was, was more than a little helper in the modern interpretation of St. Nick and what follows. They have basically an interview with a guy named Phil Mooney, Coca-Cola Company's Vice President for Heritage Communication. Basically, they don't not only feed you poison, but they've distorted even our public kind of consciousness. Yes, yes, they have. They've infested it in every way with all of their corporate propaganda. And on that note, we'll take a short breather, and we'll be back with the closing minutes of Corbett Report Radio. So stay tuned right there. Radio, you're listening to James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and we have James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com holding on the line. And uh, once again, thank you for joining us for tonight's episode. I hope that you got something out of it. And uh, as always, the show notes will include the links to all of the things that we talked about tonight. So please look for that at CorbettReport.com slash radio shortly after tonight's broadcast. So once again, James, thank you for, for joining us with the Food World Order information. And while we're, while we have you on, why don't we talk a little bit about what's coming up on Media Monarchy this Friday? This Friday, of course, I've got a, a bit of, you know, Christmas related bits and even, you know, whether that's music and, and media and other things, but all the things in the Holy Hexes site that I run about religion and society, of course, we have the solstice and Hanukkah and all of these as we repro- approach all our, you know, sort of religious events. And all the things going on in cyberspace war, whether that's the discovery of new planets or Taliban Twitter and all the other things going on in inner space and outer space. I also have ready to almost go my end of the year, what I call mixtapes, where, you know, again, I'm a college radio DJ from years past and I like to put together mixtapes. I've got my favorite music of 2011 coming pretty soon. And all the other things that we cover on Media Monarchy that, again, I feel like kind of encompass just all the different almost kind of interests that I have that seem to synchromistically, as, as they would say, all, all sort of connect together. It's the Real News Remixed, and as long as you play Mega Upload song again, I will uh, <laughs> I'll listen in because I love that song. <laughs> Joking, joking. But anyway, absolutely. And for people who don't know, again, you can listen to MediaMonarchy.com, the radio program. It's live on Friday mornings. I don't know what time it's live because I never get to listen live here in Japan. Is it 9 a.m. Pacific? It's it's 10 a.m. Pacific, and I actually I provide the little timeanddate.com link to, to wherever people are in the world to see when that is. But I, I realize most of my listeners all, all come from the podcast after the fact, which, of course, the links and the subscription links, they'll always be at the top right of MediaMonarchy.com, 
where you can also always see the most recent New World Next Week video. And speaking of which, let's pull the trigger and let's announce right here a special sneak preview for the listeners out there in Corporate Report Radio Land. Next week's New World Next Week is going to be the year-end episode, so we're going to be going over one story each that we thought was an important story that went underreported in 2011. So we're each going to choose one. We're not going to tell each other what it is beforehand so it can be a fresh perspective on it. And then um, we're also going to choose one story that we think is going to be a big story in 2012 and talk about that. So it's going to be, I I hope, an interesting uh, little New Year wrap-up and look-forward episode. I I hope so, which, again, as we mentioned on the most recent episode, which was published today, just a couple of the things that we mentioned at the end of 2010, of course, ended up being rather important stories in this, I think, 2011. So hopefully we'll keep trying to live up to our name of not only New World Next Week, but hopefully New World Next Year. New World Next Decade, maybe we can name for that next time. Um, <laughs> but absolutely. Well, thank you for all of your help again today, and thank you for everything that you're doing at MediaMonarchy.com. Again, people, check it out if you haven't done so already. And on Corbett Report Radio Programming Note, tomorrow night, obviously, we have Friday Night Highlights, where I'll be dipping into the archives. We're going to be talking about Canada versus the New World Order tomorrow night, so I have some highlights of conversations I've done in the past specifically about Canada And also next week will be a week off for me uh, from Corporate Report Radio, so no new programs. We'll be rebroadcasting some old episodes. So please tune in if you haven't heard some of the earlier episodes of this broadcast. But thank you once again for your time tonight. Look forward to talking to you again tomorrow night. Until then, take care.